Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I am back in Detroit after a few days in New York following the week up on Mackinac for the Mackinac Policy Conference. I know the, the past few days you have been enjoying the interviews that we did up there. One of the great things about the Mackinac Policy Conference, of course, is that there are so many people up there to talk to so many business and political leaders who are trying to sort through the challenges we have in Michigan in a different environment. Uh, I think uh, we, I think we had an incredible array of of people to talk to last week, and I'm hoping that uh, that those shows were quite good for you. It was nice to be in the city of New York uh, for a few days, and one of the things I noticed there was how curious people there were about Detroit. I had an innumerable number of uh, conversations over the last couple of days with people from New York asking me about what's going on here, asking me about the new M1 rail, asking me about even uh, bike share. Uh, They have seen all of the news out here and they're very curious about how it all looks. I was telling people that, uh, that it's a more complicated picture than perhaps the national media paints of us here, that, that yes, we are making incredible strides and things are looking very different in certain parts of the city, but that lots of parts of the city are, are being left behind. But it was also just really interesting to be in another city, a much bigger city, a place that thinks of itself at least as much more the center of the universe than uh, someplace like Detroit and to see how interested people there still were about us here. All right, a little later in the show today, we're going to talk about fake news and misinformation and falsehoods, alternative facts, lies, all of these terms that we have become really closely acquainted with in recent months uh, as as the presidential campaign unfolded as the Trump administration has taken office and and gotten started. We're going to talk with an author who's uh, who's written about why we lie for national geographic talking about that impulse to deceive. Where does that come from? And what does it look like in the current culture where you have people who whose livelihoods should rely on trust, uh, seemingly engaging in willful deceit uh, in, in ways that we haven't seen before? You're going to want to stay tuned to that. And of course, we're going to want to hear from you about it. Uh, also, all hour today, uh, we'll be taking calls about James Comey, a former FBI director, set to testify in uh, in front of Congress today to talk about his relationship with President Donald Trump. What are you anticipating with regard to those uh, those those things he might say? What did you think of the things that he released yesterday in his written statements uh, about what that relationship looked like? What led him to the place where uh, Donald Trump uh, fired him as FBI director? Huge news, of course, today, and the whole world will be will be watch- will will be watching. And speaking of the whole world, uh, that story that James Comey is going to tell is not just of interest to us here in the United States. Of course, the backdrop for what he's talking about is the relationship between first the Trump campaign and the Russian government uh, and now the Trump administration and the Russian government. What is that relationship? How does it play out? And is it changing the way things happen in this country? Did it change the trajectory of our presidential election? And is it 
warping uh, policy decisions and actions that the Trump administration is uh, is engaging in. Uh, just this morning on NPR, we heard national security reporter in Russia say the vast majority of Russians do not believe their country interfered with our elections. And they think there's no proof of that. They would be in league with Donald Trump himself, who has said that repeatedly. I think as James Comey uh, testifies today um, uh, in front of Congress, those are some of the things that will those are some of the things that people will be thinking about, uh, and it's certainly some of the things that that uh, that the Russians will be thinking about as they watch James Comey uh, testify today. So joining me now to talk about the sort of Russian interest and dynamic uh, in today's dramatic testimony on Capitol Hill is Aaron Reddish. He's a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. He joins us frequently to talk, it seems, about this subject. Aaron Reddish, welcome to Detroit Today. Nice to be here. Yeah. Uh, let's start with just, uh, uh, I- I'm deeply curious about how the Russians watch things like this, what they are looking for, and what we might expect in terms of a response. I mean, uh, they have not been shy uh, in recent weeks about putting their own spin on on all of this in response to things that happen in this country. Yeah, so uh, the Russian public and the Russian government take it, um, I think, with a little bit of humor and uh, thinking that, you know, that the United States is finally getting what... what uh, they should get. Um, there's also a little bit of cynicism that the Russian public has had about elections um, since uh, the late Soviet era, uh, when people actually started to vote for multiple candidates, that there was just an assumption that ballots are often, uh, that elections are often fixed. Uh, so the idea that that the American elections are also having problems there is, is a bit of a, a joke for the Russian public, and especially for the Russian government. Uh, so Putin has denied uh, several times uh, that the Russian government has interfered, although recently he's made this little uh, shift saying that it's not that it could be Russian patriots who had hacked the elections. Who knows? Um, so, And we should be clear that it's really difficult to assign credibility to almost anything that Vladimir Putin says, but particularly to what he says in the context of all of this. If he were doing those things, he wouldn't be out admitting to them, would he? Right. So uh, Putin is is consistent. I mean, he might not be credible, but he certainly is consistent. That is, he takes a, a certain line or he has certain uh, rhetorical devices. Uh, a colleague of mine made a, a very good point yesterday or a couple of days ago that uh, he is doing uh, – his kind of his story, his evolving story about Russian influence in the elections is very much like the Russian invasion of Crimea, where he denied and denied and denied until it wasn't really worth it to deny him to deny the story anymore. And then he just matter of factly said, "Of course, there, there, uh, we invaded." And this way, he seems to be saying, "Of course, the Russians." influence the elections a little bit or meddled in the elections a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and at the same time our president is firm in his conviction that well this didn't happen and and if it didn't happen it didn't have any any effect and he didn't have anything to do with it. So you have competing narratives there. Yes. Uh and as uh, a leading democrat said, I think it's kind of the best the best summary of 
of the story so far, I think it was uh, Warner, who said that there's been a lot of smoke, but no smoking gun yet. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be exactly uh, what seems to be going on right now. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Aaron Reddish, a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We're talking about uh, the testimony of former FBI Director James Comey set to happen uh, today on Capitol Hill and what the Russian interpretation, what the Russian angle is on the things that Comey uh, is expected to say. What role did the Russians play in the Trump administration's uh, campaign last year for president? What role are they playing now? And is there even perhaps an effort to interfere in the investigation that's unfolding in Washington uh, about what that relationship looks like between the Trump administration and the Russian government? If you want to join the conversation Uh, Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments uh, into the conversation. Also, uh, if you just want to talk about the Comey testimony, talk about the things we saw in the written testimony that James Comey submitted yesterday in advance of his testimony in front of Congress. Uh, What do you think it says? Uh, What do you think we've learned from that? What do you think we were learning from what he's saying about this investigation into Russian collusion or collusion with the Russian government by the Trump administration? What do you think about what he says about what the president said to him in these private meetings uh, in the White House and over dinner uh, about this Russian investigation. Is this all headed toward some ignominious end, uh, perhaps, to the to the Trump administration? Uh, is it obstruction of justice that we're looking at? Is it, uh, or is it something short of that? And there's a lot of uh, sort of political motivation behind this. I hear a lot of people saying that, worried that uh, this is just about politics. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Go to the WDT Facebook page or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Also, if you're listening to Detroit Today this morning, we're going to carry the Comey testimony with special coverage. We'll cover that live when it happens. And if you're listening to the replay this evening, uh, we'll have a wrap-up of the testimony after the show um, and all hour, uh, give us a call about uh, about Comey if uh, if you're anticipating watching that. If you're thinking about what he's going to say a little later in the program, we're going to talk about lies and falsehoods and misinformation all lurking in the background of what uh, what the former FBI director may testify to. Uh, Aaron, I want to ask you what we learned from James Comey's written testimony, which uh, was released yesterday about about the Russian investigation, about the scope of it. Uh, Donald Trump seems to believe that it backs up his story that uh, Comey told him that he's not a target uh, of of the investigation. I've seen some other people say, well, kind of says that, but he kind of doesn't at the same time. Right. He wasn't a, a, a target of a special investigation. But the Comey testimony clearly says that the FBI was concerned about uh, the dossier, uh, the idea of compromising material, uh, that there was a larger scope, um, that they were concerned about um, other people who might have been influenced or 
uh, had dealings with Russia, uh, as well as the Russian meddling in the elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's it's a it's a pretty wide and I, w- I would say damning uh, opening salvo. Yeah. Uh, do you do you feel like it advances the que- the story in terms of answering questions that we didn't have answered? Before, I mean, this is the kind of investigation that could go on for years, and I think everyone's sort of anxiously looking at every little quarter turn, trying to to discern whether there are conclusions that that can be made about about these things. Um, uh, did we learn anything new? I, for me, the uh, the most interesting thing was uh, the president's interest. In this, you know, uh, there is a specter haunting the Trump administration. The specter is Russia. And Trump obviously wants to get this, the Russian thing, as he said, uh, out, out, of, uh, out of the White House. Uh, and it's not going to go away. I mean, he seems to have been persistent about uh, um, contacting Comey several times to try to get this handled. Uh, and, you know, there seems to be something there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you also about two interviews that we've seen by American journalists of Vladimir Putin recently. Megyn Kelly, the former Fox correspondent, um, uh, sat down with him uh, earlier, I think, uh, earlier this month or maybe late last month. Uh, And then the director, Oliver Stone, the Hollywood director, uh, Oliver Stone, also sat down with Vladimir Putin. If I were to choose two Americans to, to interview Putin, I'm not sure that uh, either of them would be in the top 10. Uh, at the same time, they were the people who had the access, uh, so they asked the questions that got answers. I thought they were both strange interviews, partially because of those interviewers, but also partially because they're dealing with a very crafty and uh, deceptive personality. And I, I thought that came through in, in both of them. Right. Uh, so the Megyn Kelly interview that was uh, broadcast on, on Sunday uh, came as, as part of this larger uh, event that Megyn Kelly was in uh, St. Petersburg for about the, uh, an economic forum. Uh, and Putin, you know, the, the criticism is that Putin kind of ran circles around Megyn Kelly, uh, which kind of seems to be the, the case. Um, and it was classic Putinism, that yeah. is, that he expressed kind of in, in bombastic tones, he expressed surprise and indignation that there was uh, about the American media, that there that the American media is crazy, obsessed with Russia. And I mean, it was kind of these classic, uh, the classic story of, of Putin that it's all the American media's fault that um, and that they just need to let the government do its thing. Um, you know, I think part of the reason why uh, Putin acted that way towards Megyn Kelly is that you know she's a woman, and there's this this kind of the there strong is strong strain of right, sexist behavior, right? From, kind from of this him. this hyper masculinity. You know, the uh, Oliver Stone interview has not been shown in full, so I've only been able to see it in clips, and that's even more staged with Putin driving around Moscow uh, and um, Oliver Stone asking him both kind of these. Uh, kind of these softball questions, and also uh, basically accepting Putin uh, at his word. So it is, uh, it is, if you can see, kind of a, a good extension of uh, the Kremlin um, um, state statecraft. Right. 
Right. Uh, and, and that's a really important dynamic in Russia dating back to, well, who knows, who knows when. I mean, yeah. th- there is this control of information and, and media uh, as a sort of tool of the government. And it's, I guess it's sort of odd for me to watch American journalists be manipulated that way, uh, the the way a, a Russian journalist might. Well, it's going to get good ratings. You know, this is, uh, you know, the Russia issue is not going to go away. There is a there is a rush a Russophobia uh, that has dominated uh, the American landscape mm-hmm. since the Cold War, and this is what makes the Trump the crisis of the Trump administration so effective. On the flip side, for Russia. Uh, you know, Putin is looking at re-election next year, and the and he has an economy in crisis, uh, and uh, you know, simmering discontent among certain parts of the population. And what's going to get him elected is going to be anti-Americanism. It's going to be this uh, mobilization of nationalism, and he can't mobilize nationalism against Ukraine as as well anymore. And what he can do is do this mobilization. Uh, against the United States to show that the Americans are in crisis and are stumbling around and while Russia is moving forward. And he's been doing a very good job of, of showing that. Yeah. Uh, that Russophobia that you're talking about, you've talked about that before here on the program, and, and we were talking about it a lot during the during the presidential campaign, given the the allegations and the sort of speculation about what was happening with with the Trump campaign, I wonder if after the election, now that we're seeing uh, an administration try to govern under that cloud, if you th- if you think uh, is that overblown? Is is are, are we too concerned with with this question? Uh, you can never be too concerned or too interested in Russia. Uh, let, let that be that. You built uh, a career on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think that there there's a way of understanding Russia without kind of um, exacerbating kind of stereotypes. So one of the uh, one of the news reports that came out last uh, yesterday said that. You know, there's something in Russians' DNA that they're genetically coded to be against democracy. I think that is ridiculous, <laughs> uh, historically it's a bit inaccurate. Of yeah, right? um, there is. I mean, Russia is a major power; it's part of uh, the dominant uh, power of the 20th century, and uh, you know, we should be interested in uh, in working with Russia. Uh, we should also be aware of the kind of the national security uh, threats and interests that Russia holds. Um, so, and plus, they they clearly intervened and meddled with um, American electoral institutions. So, right. I mean, there is something to be concerned about. Um, this doesn't mean that there's a Bolshevik under every bed, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, one of the one of the sort of areas of common interest between Russia and the United States. Right now is Syria and the, the the region around it, of course, and and all of the sort of ripple ripple dynamics uh, that, that that come out from that. We've seen some news uh, out of out of Syria about um, really uh, well. I mean, there's been a change, I guess, in in the way that we're dealing with what Russia is is doing there. Talk a little about what we're seeing and and what it means. Uh, so this is actually one of these places that is uh, frustrating for the Putin regime uh, that they had hoped that by the time 
by this time, after six months of the Trump administration, that there actually would be closer ties and that the uh, continued problems with uh, that Trump has had with uh, Russiagate uh, has actually slowed down this very approach month that they were going to have. And one of the key places was going to be Syria, uh, that they would actually work in conjunction uh, with the United States to essentially prop up Assad and, um, and go after terrorism and ISIS. Uh, so uh, the United States has been uh, largely sidelined in the last month or so because of, uh, because of this uh, crisis. Russia has moved um, forward a little bit with some peace talks in Kazakhstan. Uh, the United States is supposed to be playing a role in the sidelines. Uh, but this is, a, this is an area that could have gone forward uh, if the United States has actually you know, handled this crisis. Yeah. Uh, what about the, the question of Russian sh- sanctions, uh, Russian diplomats, place in the United States. We've also seen some some movement on those issues. Um, yeah, this is, uh, so the sanctions continue. Uh, this is um, an interesting, it's, it's complicated in that um, for, economics, for economic sanctions, uh, the Russians had hoped that Trump would move the economic sanctions away. Um, this is, uh, for me, kind of one of the most interesting places of tension in the whole uh, Russiagate is um, Trump's son-in-law Kushner's uh, involvement with uh, with Sergey Gorkov's uh, Sergey Gorkov and the uh, Russian Development Bank's mm-hmm. relationship. Uh, this would be a violation of the sanctions uh, if we can actually see, kind of, at the if we understand the the details of the of this conversation um it would be in russia's best interest to get rid of the economic sanctions uh there have been uh some tightening of visa restrictions actually in the last uh, couple days and some rumors that russia is going to tighten its uh travel regulations this is on the eve of a major sporting competition and next year of the uh major soccer competition in Russia. So it's in Russia's best interest to kind of integrate themselves into the larger global economy right now. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Aaron Reddish. He's a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We're talking about uh, FBI Director, former FBI Director James Comey and the, the testimony he will offer today about uh, the things that he talked with President Donald Trump about with regard to the ongoing investigation into whether the Trump campaign in 2016 colluded with uh, the Russians, uh, whether there were operatives inside that campaign who were aligned with Russian interests. Uh, Give us a call if you want to join the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313-577-1019. Are you following the Comey testimony today? Are you getting ready to sit down maybe with a bowl of popcorn and take a look at what the former FBI director has to say. Uh, Do you trust James Comey or give credibility to his statements? Uh, Do you think that what Comey is saying about Donald Trump is true? uh, Or do you believe the president is telling the truth? We're going to talk a little later about 
truth. Uh, truth, lies, falsehoods, misinformation, fake news, all of those things lurk in the background of this testimony uh, today. Uh, and does any of this really matter to you, or do you think it's just political theater? Do you think there are serious issues at play here that Congress uh, and the Justice Department ought to be pursuing answers to? Or do you think that this is just about uh, being against Donald Trump, uh, not not being satisfied with the outcome of the 2016 election. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and work your comments into the conversation. Before I let you go, Aaron, I, I, I want to give you a chance to to predict maybe <laughs> what uh, what we'll what we'll hear from Comey or or whether whether we'll have a clearer understanding uh, about what what the scope of this really looks like after after he testifies. Um, if I can make a prediction, my answer sure. is no. No, that we, that we, won't. <laughs> we won't know more. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we'll get a better sense of the relationship between uh, Comey and Trump. Um, I. I've been frustrated in trying to get some a better sense of actual how much uh, involvement uh, there has been between the Trump administration and their its allies and Russia. Uh, so I predict to be I continue I will be continue to be frustrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take a quick call here before uh, we go. Kevin in East Point, welcome to Detroit today. In the interest of uh, Putin to. Uh, have uh, 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 Mr. Trump elected uh, because perhaps he saw a lack of competency and, and it would be a good stage for him to stand on and say, look how silly American government is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin, I think the, there are a lot of people who who believe that was exactly what was uh, what was going on. Aaron, uh, yep. what, what's the advantage to Putin if there's a bumbling U.S. president? Uh, yeah, so the security reports say that uh, that they intercepted Russian officials kind of high-fiving each other when uh, when Trump was elected. Uh, part of it is, yeah, a less competent or a bumbling uh, administration. But really, the main objective, uh, kind of based on Putin's rhetoric and the security information that we've gotten so far, is just that how much Putin— and the Kremlin despised Clinton, Hillary Clinton in particular, uh-huh. uh, that they not only saw her as a hawk, uh, but and uh, but also kind of personally did not like her. They didn't like her statements uh, against um, uh, kind of Russian involvement in Ukraine, uh, the, the elections. They saw her as... Uh, challenging Russia in the the near abroad in in uh, Georgia and uh, in other regions in the Baltics. So this was there was a personal animosity uh, that Russia and Putin had towards Clinton, as well as Clinton's continued, uh, as well as Obama's um, administration's uh, continued push to expand what they saw as expanding NATO. So they saw the alternative of Trump as being a great way of actually trying to change the narrative. Although, I mean, Putin will say that he saw uh, that Trump and Clinton would be exactly the same. Clearly, they did see a dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Jordan quickly. Uh, Jordan in Dearborn, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, good morning. Yeah, welcome. Go ahead. Uh, 
welcome to, uh, to Dearborn. Say, so just listen to Kevin talk about uh, the potential for Trump having a bumbling administration. There was no more bumbling administration than the Obama administration, which completely handed Russia everything it wanted on a silver plate. So here, can you here give me an ex- can you give me an example of that, Jordan? Yeah, he went into the Crimea. He had he got everything that he wanted with the Ukraine. Yeah. He weak he weakened NATO. I mean, our, our alliances all over the world were essentially shattered under Obama. It couldn't have gotten weaker under Obama. So here, here we have Trump. The only thing that Trump and, and Putin share in common is the fact that they're both nationalists, and they both want what's best for their respective countries. And, for again, I don't think we're going to see anything in the Comey testimony today that contradicts his bizarre memos that he's already put out, and that is that there aren't, there's absolutely no collusion whatsoever. This is a ginned-up Democratic uh, sour grape story that we've been living with since the election. They don't want to— Who are uh, the—Jordan, who are the Democrats leading this inquiry? Who are the what? Who are the Democrats leading this these inquiries? Well, I don't think that they have a leader. I think that they're— I, Well, I mean, I you're, mean saying, you're saying that these are ginned up by Democrats. Who, I mean, Jim Comey, do you think he's, he's a Democrat? Team left-wing fringe who's cooperating with the mainstream media to basically— talk about Trump gate or excuse me Russia gate day after day after and the majority of the people don't give two hoots about this nonsensical story they want jobs they want improved uh, local economies yeah. do you think they it's want- an either or jordan in other words do, do do people want jobs but but can't also think about whether the president of the united states colluded with russians or whether he obstructed justice didn't collude with the, there's absolutely zero evidence of that whatsoever. Okay. And that's why if you go to, and you take a look at Trump's base, I mean, I think there was some uh, Quinnipiac poll that came out about uh, a month ago that showed that 90-some percent of the people that voted for him would still vote for him. I mean, the guy, the more that the, the mainstream media... Well, it's true that 90% of the people who voted for him would vote for him, but they only constitute 46% of uh, the, all of the votes that were cast. So, uh, Jordan, I, I really appreciate the call and the thoughts. Thanks very much for that. Uh, Aaron, I'll give you a, a quick chance to respond to what he's saying there. Is this all political theater? Um, I think the uh, it's going to be very hard to prove collusion. Um, I think that's, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, everything is, is theater. I would say the the one, um, you know, to kind of push back on the uh, op- the bumbling Obama administration. You know, in, in part they could have been uh, they could have been stronger. They could have resisted Putin a bit more, um, but that would have mean meant bringing arms into Ukraine, uh, possibly uh, standing up and military using military force against Russia and Crimea and that would have been something that I don't know if the American public would have actually supported. Yeah. Uh Trump is not going to uh, do that. You know, he is about um reapprochement with, yeah. with Russia. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh Aaron Reddish, history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. It's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. It's a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Up next, uh, lies in the lying liars who tell them. We'll talk about the world of misinformation we live in. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. 